tonight on Picton's podcast. I'm obsessed with guts again. It's time to go back to bacteria. Hello. This subject was previously covered on the Astro Project's blog under Guts and Glory and also on Picton's podcast. One of the highlights then for me was that the rainforest of bugs in the gut can send signals to the brain and influence you for good or for bad. There's been a lot of buzz about bugs, so time for an update. I'm still eating things like live yogurt, cheese from unpasteurized milk, sourdough bread. I'm not sure I can stomach unpasteurized sauerkraut or kimchi, so as usual I found a possible lazy shortcut to take. First, by Muno Daily. This is a powder that can be put in drinks or yogurt and is a special fibre that feeds the good bacteria and is supposed to make a big difference within a week. Never one for half measures, also taking BioCult, the captures of which contain a mere 2 billion friendly microorganisms of around 14 strains of good gut bacteria. It's important to get some diversity in there. What's the worst that can happen? Back to the bacteria buzz from the BBC News site recently. Firstly, more than half your body is not human. The microbiome in the gut is full of genes of its own, presenting essentially a second genome, which augment the activity of our own. The microbiome is also being linked to diseases including inflammatory bowel disease, Parkinson's, where the cancer drugs work, and even depression and autism. Obesity is another example. Family history and lifestyle choices clearly play a role, but what about your gut microbes? Diet of burgers and chocolate will affect both your risk of obesity and the type of microbes that grow in your digestive tract. So how do you know if it's a bad mix of bacteria metabolizing your food in such a way that contributes to obesity? Professor Knight has performed experiments on mice that were born in the most sanitized world imaginable. Their entire existence is completely free of microbes. He says, we were able to show if you take lean and obese humans and take their feces and transplant the bacteria into mice, you can make the mouse thinner or fatter depending on whose microbiome it got. Topping up obese with lean bacteria also helped the mice lose weight. This is pretty amazing, right? The question now is, will this be translatable to humans? Come on, you love this gross stuff, really. Next article from BBC recently, how bacteria are changing your mood. Groups of researchers believe they're on the cusp of a revolution that uses mood microbes or psychobiotics to improve mental health. The study that ignited the whole concept took place at Kyushu University in Japan. The researchers showed that germ-free mice, those that never came into contact with microbes, pumped out twice the amount of stress hormone when distressed than normal mice. The animals were identical except for their microbes. It was a strong hint that the difference was a result of the microorganisms. The brain is the most complex object in the known universe, so how could it be reacting to bacteria in the gut? One route is the vagus nerve. It's an information superhighway connecting the brain and the gut. Bacteria break down fibre in the diet into chemicals called short-chain fatty acids, which can have effects throughout the body. The microbiome influences the immune system, which has also been implicated in brain disorders. There is even emerging evidence that gut bugs could be using tiny strips of genetic code called microRNAs to alter how DNA works in nerve cells. 
A good rule of thumb is a healthy microbiome is a diverse microbiome, containing a wide variety of different species living all over our bodies. So scientists at the APC Microbiome Centre at University College Cork started transplanting the microbiome from depressed patients to animals. It's known in the biz as a transfusion. It showed if you transfer the bacteria, you transfer the behaviour too. Similar evidence linking the microbiome, the gut and the brain is emerging in Parkinson's disease. Now, away from the BBC and onto a book I recently came across, but will it be up to the standards of the Clever Guts diet? Fix your gut. I heard the gent who wrote it on the Higher Side Chats podcast and thought his idea is worthy of a more in-depth look. After an introduction, we get to the fact that probiotic bacteria in the gut help maintain proper gastrointestinal function, break down lactose, manufacture and absorb vitamin K, vitamin B12, thiamine, riboflavin, biotin, destroy opportunistic bacteria and help ferment carbohydrates for digestion in the large intestine. The second brain in the gut or enteric nervous system is then described. It uses similar neurotransmitters to the central nervous system such as serotonin and dopamine. Remember the pineal gland supposedly being the third eye or seat of the soul. Well, the gut secretes 400 times as much of the mysterious circadian rhythm sleep chemical melatonin, much of which is stored in the appendix, if you still have one. Dr. Panda, king of circadian rhythms, come back. All is forgiven. Melatonin does a bunch of good stuff in the gut too. There follows much about the common gastrointestinal disorders and their conventional treatments. Some alternative methods of reducing colonisation by rogue H. pylori bacteria then described, followed by more herbal ways of treating almost any gut ailment, including many I'd totally forgotten about from medical school days. If anything, it's comprehensive. If you have a gut ailment and your GP and specialist treatments have been no good, or even made things worse, it might be worth a look at this book. But like all of these things, it could get very pricey if you buy all the supplements suggested. Plus, there's always a fine balance in judging what are overlooked folk remedies quashed by Big Pharma, and what might just be snake oil based on a monodelusional wannabe quack in a tinfoil hat. Not this author, mind, just in general. Magnesium then gets a chapter of its own, extolling its virtues. It's not just a fun thing to set fire to in chemistry class. Zinc is then given its chance to shine. If you've been obeying the book instructions, you may already have been taking everything but the kitchen sink. Sorry. Prebiotics, probiotics and homeostatic soil organisms or HSOs are next up. Bacillus coagulans is one the jury's out on. Bacillus lichiformis is not good, nor Bacillus subtilis, a cousin of anthrax, which can become opportunistic and difficult to eliminate. Bifobacterium animalis, painted to activia. Bifobacterium bifidum, brevet, infantis and longum are all good in various ways. Lactobacillus acidophilus, brevis, bulgaricus, casei, caesari, helveticus, plantarum, reuteri, rhamnosus and salivarius are also all good. From the streps, streptococcus salivarius and thermophilus are good. The author then recommends brands to acquire specific probiotic strains. The one I mentioned earlier from Tesco measures up quite well. Then prebiotics, ones that are not good, inulin, lactulose, which is a laxative, and siloologosaccharide. Ones that are okay-ish, aribinogalactans, isomaltooligosaccharide, and mananoligosaccharide. The best is galactooligosaccharide, GOS, which is exactly what's in my by Muno previously mentioned. Nice.
foods are not seen as enough on their own by the author to help the gut flora, but they will help a little. Gut-friendly foods would ideally be unpasteurized and even home-fermented where possible. Kefir is described as one with good and bad aspects. Probiotic supplementation is not for everyone, as many people are sensitive and there is a risk of inflammation for some. The author suggests not using them every day or long term. Which diets does he recommend for health? He gives pros and cons of many. This is why I'd conclude to summarise. The bulletproof diet, the homemade elemental diet, the low FODMAP diet, paleo, perfect health diet, primal, semi-elemental, SCD and wheat belly, all good. Okayish are GAPS, Atkins or ketogenic diets, low acid and low residue diets. Then there's a bit on the book on good old colon cleansing. Then meticulous A to Z of the supplements mentioned. Marijuana makes it on there amongst much interesting reading. The author later ranks which companies are the best for selling supplements and the worst, but with an American bias, obviously. He's American. Fish oil is good, and that's official. Then a chapter on the relative safety of common antibiotics. Generally not terribly good for gut flora, as they kill bacteria, as you can imagine. Followed by a rundown on pharmaceuticals. He's quite balanced in his views there, though. Then he mentions all the potentially horrific investigations doctors might do on you for gut problems, one for the masochists there. I quite enjoyed that book. It's a different take to Michael Mosley's Clever Guts in many ways, although there's lots of common ground. But for now, from me and my microbiome, good night, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. <laughs>